Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. Yeah, that, that thing about hope, um, that, that, that's something we have to really establish in our hearts, that it's not like a, well, I hope this turns out okay. It's not a wish upon a star kind of hope. It's it's Hebrews talks about we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Like the kind of hope that you anchor in isn't wishy-washy, undetermined, maybe it will be good, maybe it won't be good. It, the hope that Hebrews is talking about is we have something we can anchor in that's greater than anything we see, anything that we experience, our day-to-day circumstance, whatever it is. It's an anchor for our soul. It's something our soul can actually anchor into and say, like it doesn't matter if the storm's raging, if the sea is as smooth as glass. Like, there's a hope inside of me that has nothing to do with what I see in the natural. has everything to do with who he is and what he's promised. And, and that kind of hope is the hope that actually becomes something that empowers us into something. It's not a sitting back and waiting and wondering and, and wishing and hoping kind of hope. It's an a, it's, it's a active, like, I look at my situation and hope inside of me because of the hope of Christ. Think about it. Christ in you is the hope of glory to the world. It's not a wishy, like the the glory of God inside of you is not a wishy-washy, undetermined, maybe it will, maybe it won't kind of thing. It's it's an active and alive thing. And so that that kind of hope is the hope that that Jesus came to bring. It's not a roll of the dice. It's it's, it's not a, a coin toss. It's a knowing inside of us that goes so deep that even when we don't have any reason we have one that anchors that's greater than all the reasons we wouldn't. And that, I just, Father, would you, would you release that kind of hope? Father, would you restore, would you redeem, would you place inside, would you open our eyes to that kind of hope? God, this, this, this anchor for our soul. God, this, this thing that's bigger than anything that we face, anything that we see, anything that we hear, God, that we have an anchor that no matter what would come, God, no matter what storm would blow, no matter what report, no matter what we would see, no matter what we would experience, no matter what we would feel even, God, that we have something greater than any of those. It's you. It's, it's Jesus. It's your spirit within us. It's the promise that we have of your faithfulness. Thank you for that kind of hope, God. Amen. Um, did you guys, how many of you guys came to the Christmas party last night? That thing was fun, but I'm just wondering for a pastor that isn't competitive and doesn't really care about games, like how I ended up with a church full of people like that. Maybe that's why you're here. I need to rub off on you and you need to. Father, forgive me. <laughs> no, I, I, there's something that, that, that I started talking about a little bit at worship night on Wednesday night, and I, I, I felt like it, it was, I kept being drawn back to that word, and so I want to talk about that this morning. Um, I wanted to talk to this a little bit just about, how many of you guys know that in your life, if you look back at your life, you see this, 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 the peaks and the valleys of life? Like, like you have these like low points, right, where, where it's like, I mean, this was a hard time. This was a low point in my life, you know, the Egypt of your life or, or, or the, the, the three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection, those, 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 and they kind of mark you sometimes, right? Like they become ways that we mark time. Like, like you look back and you remember something, and when you want to place it in a timeline of your life, it becomes like a marking point. You're like, oh, yeah, but that, that must have been in this year because it was before this. 
or that must have been in that year because it was after this. And, and you do. We have these times that we go through these, these, like, these low points or these extreme valleys, these trials, these tests, these, these circumstances, whatever they are. And, and honestly, sometimes in those times, it's really, really, really easy to seek the Lord because you have nothing else. Like you, you received a report or you faced the circumstance or you heard something or you saw, and there was nothing you could do but seek the Lord because there was nothing that you on your own in the natural could do about that situation. And a lot of times if it's like a public thing, you have people that are praying for you and encouraging you and reaching out to you. And, and it's amazing to be part of a body of Christ when you go through one of those times because everyone just seems to come around you and come alongside you and they pray for you and they lift you up and, 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 and they do all this amazing stuff. And it's like, I mean, sometimes those times are the times when, and it talks about God drawing near to the brokenhearted, you know, and you just feel him right there. And you're so aware of your need for him. Like, not that your need for him is greater that day than it was the day before or it will be the day after, but your awareness of your need for him is staring you in the face every single day. And so you, you have those times, and, th and then you, sometimes you have these the mountaintop experiences where it's like you, you have this great victory. You see the Lord move. You, you get this amazing promotion or this amazing blessing or you have this victory over something and, you, and you're just, you're on top of the mountain at that point. It's like the, the, your, your awareness of what God has done and you're like, like, it's so easy for you to look at people's situations in those moments and believe and expect and have that hope. Like, like not the hope of like, well, I hope it turns out good. No, when you're looking at their situation, you have a confident expectancy that you're going to see and that they will see the goodness of God in that moment. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, those sometimes become marking moments too. Like, these amazing things happen. And, and you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was before this or that was after that. And you can place things on this timeline. And so if we're, if we're not careful, and, and maybe even it's okay, but, but sometimes our timeline of our life becomes marked and measured by mountaintops and valleys. Like as we look back at our life, everything is marked by these low points or these amazing high points. And I just, I was thinking about that a lot. I was, and, and, and listen, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's, I don't, I'm not here to say that's wrong. But what I am saying is there's so much more of life that's lived in between. Like the majority of your life is not lived in a valley or on a mountaintop. The majority of your life is lived in those, those, those days in between those extremes. And yet, yet when we look at our lives, a lot of times the thing that stands out to us most are, are the extremes. And, and I've, I, I, was, I was reading out of, um, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you don't have your Bibles, you should. Um, no, I'm serious because you need to know the word of God. Like, Jesus could have said anything when he was announcing who he was, yet he asks for them to hand him the word of God. He is the word. Whatever he speaks in that moment becomes the same as what he's about to speak because he is the word. So if he speaks something never spoke before, it becomes the word. But yet he says, hand me the already recorded written word of God. And then he opens the scroll 
and he reads from the word and lets what the word says define who he is. We would do well to know the word to the point where what the word says defines who we say we are. If Jesus needed to. Come on, think with me for a second. If Jesus felt the need to let the word of God declare who he was, how much more then do you and I need to let the word of God declare who we are? I'm not against prophetic words. Like, I love them, and I think they're incredible, but the problem is, is even a prophetic word, if I don't know the word of God, the written word of God, how do I have any parameters for what that prophetic word even means? How do I know it's real? How do I know it's of God? If, if I don't know his written word, if I don't know what he's like and, and who he is, and I don't know him through the written word of God that we have in front of us, that we can say, this is who God is. If I don't know that, then a prophetic word comes, and I don't even have like a grid for it in a lot of cases, or no way to test it and even see, is this something I should cling to? Or is this something that should be discarded? Was this someone just trying to make me feel better in a moment? Because, you know, sometimes people want to make you feel better and they'll give you a word. And, and, and I think what, what we would do well to do is rather than in that, those times when we want to make someone feel better by speaking something, we would give them a word of exhortation, a word of encouragement, and not try to dress it up as a prophetic word. Not make everything that comes out of our mouth of thus saith the Lord, but rather just... Hey, man, I, I just want you to know, or maybe even get the word of God and bring the word of God. This is why you need to know it, because if you know the word of God, you know what you can speak into that situation that God has already spoke. And then they can anchor in that. And that brings hope. And so if you don't have that, all that to say, if you don't have your Bible, you should. <laughs> no, and, and here's the other thing, because... How do you know that what's being told to you is true? How do you know? How do you know someone's not just grabbing a verse and using it out of context to serve their own purpose? I, I always encourage you guys, like when, when, when I'm preaching, like make sure that what I'm saying is accurate, not just to the, the text, but also to the context. And that it, that it actually applies to, to, to our to what I'm applying it to. and So have your Bible. If you don't, it'll be on the screen, but I promise tomorrow morning that screen's not going to follow you around. You're going to need your own. <laughs> Stan's not going to come into your bedroom and put it on the wall. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing if you could wake up every morning and Stan was there with a projector set up <laughs> and a word of the Lord for you and just beam it on the wall? That's silly. He can't do that. He's only one person. How could he do that for everybody? Come on, you guys. I'm really happy this morning. I'm happy every morning, but I'm really happy this morning because I just, there's something about that hope thing that's stirring in me, and I see people, and not just our church family, but people I talk to are starting to actually, when they speak, you start to hear the word of God coming out of their mouth. You're starting to get that thing where it's like, you know, they looked at the disciples and they looked at them and they could tell by the way they carried themselves and by the way that they lived that they had been with Jesus. Like, God wants us to be marked that way. Like, he never wanted you to be marked by external things. He never wanted people to have to look and check the tag of your clothing to see if it was blended fabric. That wasn't his desire. He was forced into that position because they wouldn't walk with his presence. 
But his desire from the beginning always has been and always will be that his presence, that we would be changed from the inside by his presence and that that we would be marked by the way that we live our lives and the way we conduct ourselves and and the way that that we love and the way that we, we interact and the way that we live, that people would be able to look and know that we've been with Jesus. I don't got to come check your tag or drive by your house and see if your crops are all of a single kind in every field. You can look at someone, and I'm starting to just, just hear that in a lot of places they go, and it's exciting me because I feel like the word of God is coming back into just the prominent place that it belongs, and where when we speak, his word is coming from our mouth. You know what the, the amazing thing about that is? Is then if, you, if someone gives you a prophetic word and you know the word of God, it's so easy for that word to encourage you because it's not like, whoa, that's just mind-blowing. I have no, no grid for that because you know him through his word, and you have somewhat of a grid for him like, oh, I can see the Lord saying that to me because he spoke this to his people here. He spoke that to his people there, and it just gives kind of this banks to this amazing river of the Holy Spirit where it's like, man, I could see that because I know him. I, I know him. And so in, in Jeremiah chapter 2, the Lord is speaking to his people. And, and, and this is after, and I preached out of this like maybe a year ago out of the same passage, but a total different subject. This is when, when the Lord has brought them out of Egypt. He's brought them into the promised land. And And you remember, like, his idea was to bless them. Like, he told them, I'm bringing you into a good land to bless you. And then he says this to them. And this is such an amazing revelation of his heart and his character and his nature. He says, when you go in there and you live in a house you haven't built, and you drink from wells that you didn't dig, you eat of vineyards that you didn't plant, and, 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 and you don't need the fire to keep you warm at night, because you're living in a home that you didn't build. He's saying, like, when you get there and all the things I was for you during this last season, I don't need to be for you. Only then see that you don't forget me. Like, he's like, like, you remember what it's like when you had little kids and they needed you? Like, I'm, I'm getting old enough now where I'm starting to look back and go, oh, I remember when you needed me to do that for you. And now you just do it yourself. And that's awesome. And I'm proud of them. I don't want to have to do everything for my kids for the rest of their lives. But there is part of that, that father heart that you have where you look and you go, mm, you don't need me anymore like you did in that way. And, and, and your heart is like, just look, even though you don't need me, just don't forget me. Either God has really put that in Jackson's heart for my sake, or, or Jackson's just a lazy kid, because <laughs> luckily he still needs me to do just about everything for him. <laughs> I just have to be honest, I was thinking, and I'm like, Aaliyah, not so much, but Jackson, yeah, he, he still does. <laughs> no, but, but you can just hear the heart of God. <laughs> Jackson will go back and listen to these messages later on in life and then need therapy. <laughs> he won't, because he'll hear the other truths in there that keep him free from that stuff. But, but you can hear the amazing, beautiful heart of God towards his children, and it's this. I'm going to do something for you, and in doing that, it's going to remove your need from me in that way. And I love you so much that even at the expense and even at the risk of 
of losing your need for me. I'm going to bless you because I promised I would and because it's my heart. Even though there's a chance that the very thing I'm blessing you with will become the thing that removes your need for me and cause you to forget me. And then they do. And we talked about that. He says, like, even your priest didn't say, where is the Lord? In other words, like, you got to such a place that even the people who were standing in the place of being priests didn't remember their need for me. Like I, he's, you know, I can just you think about the heart of God. It's like, okay, I see that you don't need me for fire because to keep you warm, you've got a home. You've got a fire in the home, and you've got beds and blankets, and you all huddle in there together, and you cover yourself with blankets, and you keep yourselves warm that way. And I, I get that you don't need me to be your shade all the day so that you don't burn. You've got a roof over your head. And, and I, I, can, I get that you don't need me to, to make water pour from a rock because you've tapped into wells that were dug by the enemy. And, and I get that you don't need me to pour down manna every day. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is, is I stopped the manna. You didn't stop the manna. It was my heart that you didn't need me to do that for you every day. I understand that. I get it. You've got fields, and you're, 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 you're reaping what you've sown, and, and then even reaping what you didn't sow because of my goodness, and you're eating from vineyards you didn't plant. I get all that stuff, but, but man, even the priests, like even the ones who are ministering on my behalf have forgot their need for me. But that's not for today. I, I do, I, well, I went into that because I do feel like I need to say, like, just don't forget the Lord. Like, seek him, pursue him, and, and, and then when he is who he said he would be, don't, like, say thanks and then go back to your life and forget about your need for him. Because the truth is he wants to bless you. He does. I mean, you don't have to read very far in your Bible to find that the heart of God is to bless his people. Anybody who would teach anything other than that is ignoring what is clearly stated in the Word. And don't pervert that and make it where God is a genie in the bottle that gives you everything your flesh desires because that's not who He is. But He does want to bless His people. He delights in it. But don't let the thing that He delights in become the thing that removes your need for Him. Don't let Him giving you the desire of your heart forget that He is the desire of your heart. Don't let your lack of a need for him in an area replace your need for him. You can do that. And, and that's, you know, it's so crazy to me. It's like, God, why would you give them that stuff if you knew that that was going to happen? Because he sees, like, as he's telling them, I'm going to do this for you, don't forget me, he sees the day that they will forget him, and he blesses them anyways. That's what just blows my mind about him. That's why he's holy. That's why he's other. That's why he's better. So are you at Jeremiah 2? Jeremiah 2, verse 1, the Lord is speaking to his people, and he says this. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through a wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty, and a disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive. God, that they're not just words on a page that we read once, 
we know and we move on with our lives, God, that they become life to us. That, that as we open your word and we read and we teach and we study and we meditate, and that, that, your, that your word would read us, Father, that we would see ourselves in the word, we would see you in the word, and God, that the way that we think and the way that we live would change because of what we see and what we hear as we open your word. God, I pray that our ears would be open to hear. I thank you that we have the mind of Christ, that we can actually take the things that you're making known to us and understand them because of your spirit, and that our hearts, God, would be the soft, fertile hearts, God, the seed of your word would go inside of us, God, that, that your seed inside of us would conceive something, that it would, it would bear fruit, and that you would be seen through the fruit of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord is, is kind of doing a, 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 he's looking back at his relationship with Israel, and I, and, and I was reading this, and, and I was already thinking about the whole peak and valley thing, and you know, like, Literally, most of our lives are lived somewhere in between that, that, that valley and that mountaintop. We're, we're, we're generally coming out of one or heading up one, and, and a lot of our days are, are spent in between. But yet, when we look back, a lot of times what we remember are the mountains and the valleys. What we remember are those amazing mountaintop experiences or those desperate valley experiences. And, and, and the Lord is looking back at his relationship with Israel, and, and, and he doesn't talk about the high points. Not this time. He doesn't look back and say, I remember when I parted the sea for you, although there are times when he reminds them of that. He doesn't say, I remember when I, when I smote Pharaoh's army and, or when I struck the plagues or when I did this or when I did that, although there are times he reminds them of that because I think it, there is something good to remember the things that God has done. But as God is just kind of fondly remembering his bride, he's not talking about the high points. And sometimes we do this if we're not careful. We, we look back at like the highlight film of our life, and that becomes what it is to walk with God. And so as we look forward, we're looking forward, experience, anticipating experiencing more of those, those high points, and we almost put walking with God and, and, and encountering the Lord off until we get to that next mountaintop experience because we're, we're, we're always looking ahead and we're, we're thinking about the future. I think this is one of the reasons Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, you don't worry about that. Today has enough for you to think about. Today has enough of its own troubles. Today is enough. Like, today you need me. Don't just think you're going to need me tomorrow. Remember you need me today. And, and, and if we're not careful, we will, we will, we will live so future-minded that, that we're not even aware of the fact that there's about 500 days or 200 days or 800 days or, or maybe even more between where we are and the mountaintop, maybe that God has even shown you. Like God comes to David and he anoints him to be king at a, as a young boy. He has this amazing mountaintop experience where the prophet chooses him of all these people. And then he says, okay, now I need you to go back and I need you to just return to doing what you were doing and I need you to be faithful to seek me every single day because who you are and who you need to be when you get to the top of that mountain are two different people. And if you will, if you will put off and delay seeking me until you get to that point, you may get to that point, but you might not be who you need to be in that moment. So what I need you to do right now, David, is I need you to learn what it's like to serve even though you actually hold a position higher than the people you're serving. 
Because when you sit on the throne, I don't want you to treat people as objects that you use. I want you to see them as people that you serve. So you're anointed king in front of the very brothers that I now want you to go bring lunch to. Like, you think about that for a second. I want you to go back and take care of those few sheep while your brothers, who you were anointed in front of, go do the important things on the battle lines. David, I, I want to teach you something in these days because there's a mountaintop here, there's a mountaintop there, but you're going to go through a valley here. And I don't want you to only remember this point, this point, and that point. I want every day to be a day that you remember me and a day that you grow in intimacy and relationship with me so that when you go from here to there, you don't panic. And when you go from here to there, you don't forget your need for me. And if we're not careful, especially in a prophetic culture where we believe that the Lord does speak to us about our future, we can become so future-minded that we forget about the fact that today is the day that he made. And that we're, like, this, that sounds so elementary, right? Like, you're, you sung it when you were a kid. This is the day, this is the, but, but the truth is, is if we're not careful, we forget that this is the day the Lord made, and to rejoice and be glad in this day. Not that day is the Lord that he's created, and when I get there, I'll rejoice and be glad in that day. Because thinking that way may keep you from getting to that day, or when you get to that day, not being who you need to be, to be who he's called you to be in that moment. And so I, was, I just thought about that. It struck me that as the Lord is looking back fondly, he, he doesn't bring up all the high points. He doesn't remind them of the mountains. He doesn't remind them of the amazing victories, although there have been mountains, amazing victories, although they did build monuments so that they would remember them. It is good to remember well. You know, he said, remember well. He tells them at some points, remember well the things. But in this moment, when God's looking back, it's not the, 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 the amazing uh, giant victories and battles that have been won that he's remembering and also notice that it's not the, the low points or the valleys. He, he doesn't say, don't you remember when I rescued you out of Egypt? Although there are times when he says that. He doesn't say, don't you remember when you couldn't cross the Red Sea and I, I opened the Red Sea and I swallowed up. Although there are times when he does bring that to their remembrance. And, and, and sometimes, just like we look back at the high points and makes us look forward to the high points, Without realizing it, we can become addicted to being rescued if the closest times in our lives with the Father are the times when we're in a valley. You can actually become someone who is constantly in need of being rescued from something to the point where you will create situations that you need to be rescued from so that you can experience his nearness and his closeness without realizing you could experience that the day you walked out of the valley just as easy as you did the day you were in the valley. And we be, if we're not careful, I'm not, I'm not saying that, we, we, that, that this will happen, but it can happen, where we look back on those times when, when we needed rescue, and we become so in love with the God who rescued us, we forget to be in love with the God who actually is keeping us rescued and redeeming us today. Like what Jude's talking, you know, and he says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... Like, yes, he'll rescue you when you stumble, but he would love to be the one who every day, because of your need for him in this day, being as great as your need for him in that day, 
can keep you from stumbling rather than you constantly having to stumble and him constantly having to come and pick you up. And, and so God isn't looking back at those times even right now. What, what is, the thing that he looks back at is this. He says, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. He says, I remember every day. I remember the time that we spent together for years when you loved me and you followed me. Yeah, there were some valleys in those days, and yeah, there were some peaks in those days, but I, I, that's not what I didn't create you. I don't have this relationship with you, and I don't just want to be the God of the peaks and the God of the valleys. What I loved was every day when you woke up, when it was just a normal, average, ordinary day, and you went outside and you collected your, your manna, you collected what you needed for that day, and you were reminded of my faithfulness and my provision. Not because something amazing happened in the natural, not because you were in a desperate valley situation, not because you were on top of a mountain, but because it was just another day to be with me. That's what God looks back on fondly. And he says, I, I just, I remember that. I, he, later he asks, what did I do wrong? Like, can you imagine God looking at your life and saying to you, like, I remember when every day you just got up and I was enough. And you just loved me. And you weren't living for that mountain. You weren't living from that valley. You just loved me. You didn't need me to come and do that amazing thing. You didn't need me. You didn't need to, to thank me and praise me for, for this amazing mountaintop thing. It was just an ordinary day, but you loved me and you were devoted to me. Every day. And later he, he goes on, he's talking, he says, what, what fault did your fathers find with me? In other words, what did I do wrong? That you've now forgot me. When you so easily remembered me. When you needed me. And I, I, I can't get away from this thing. I started talking about it on, on Wednesday night, but I honestly believe, like, we don't preach seasonally usually. I mean, we always talk about the, the Christmas story on Christmas and Easter on Easter, but, but we don't usually do, like, a big series for six weeks leading up to Christmas about Christmas. But there's something about this season where we remember God becoming like a child, and I feel like he wants to call us back into a place of becoming like children again when it was really simple and we actually felt like we needed him every day rather than growing up and needing him on those big days. Where, 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 we're, not, where we're not just like putting him on hold once we come out of the valley and returning back to life. When no one's calling and being like, hey man, I just, I know you're really going through an average time right now. I know that things are super mediocre. And, I, and I, I just really, really, really was impressed this morning knowing that you have a mundane day ahead of you to pray for you. Because that doesn't happen. What happens is, hey, I know you're going through a really hard time. 
Hey, I, I know that right now you're facing some things, and I'm sure that you feel like you're under attack. And that's when we, people call us and pray for us, and that's when it's easy to remember our need for him, and that's when it's easy to turn to because you have no other option. But just remember this. Tomorrow could be a day that you're not expecting, and the way you live today in the mundane is what prepares you to either face it or to be crushed by it. Like, Because no one gave a prophetic warning to David about him going to battle Goliath. It started out as a simple everyday morning where his father called and said, hey, I need you to bring lunch, and I need you to get a report from the battle lines. There was no hoopla. There was no prophetic swirl going on. There was no one preaching from a stage and telling him to prepare himself. There was none of that stuff happening. It was just a normal, everyday, mundane, routine, shepherd boy, youngest son, obey my father kind of day. Until it's not. Until he gets there with the lunch and he sees the look of terror and he hears the giant in the valley. And he remembers in his heart what he spent all those mundane days doing. Seeking the Lord, building intimacy. When no one's watching, when he's not getting credit, when nobody's tweeting or Facebooking it, without having to let everybody know what was going on, he's just every single day waking up and realizing, today I need you just as much as yesterday. And yeah, there was the day with the, vat, with the lion and the bear. And yeah, he remembers what God has done. It gives him faith for what God will do. But the reason he remembers those is because every day when he woke up, he sought the Lord and he prepared himself for whatever was coming that day. No one told Moses on the day when God would appear as a burning bush and call him into who he is to prepare himself for this amazing glory moment. Like, there was no hoopla leading up to it. There was no, like, announcement on the overhead where it's like, prepare yourself, Moses. You're about to have a holy encounter with God. No, it was just get up and take care of another person's sheep and do it faithfully like you've done for the last 40 years. We get, we get upset if 40 days go by and we haven't seen that promise come to pass. Or 40 months, God forbid, 40 months. Lord, it's been years. You notice that Moses wasn't in the, in the desert complaining to God. David wasn't in the cave saying, God, how long am I going to have to do this? I thought I was supposed to be king. David's not taking the opportunity that presents itself that's not from the Lord to get to a place he's been told he's supposed to be ahead of when he's supposed to be there because he's not living every day for the throne. He's living every day for the one who sits on the throne. And 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 and, and like. I promise you there are days coming that are going to be mountaintop experiences. There's days coming that are going to be like valleys where you just feel like, I don't even know if life will ever go back to normal. Those days are coming at some point for everybody. And and it's not how you live in that day so much that determines things. Those days just expose what what your life is built on. Like, those days don't build you. Those days are the ones that expose what your life is built on. Those are the days that show what you were doing in the mundane since the last mountaintop or the last valley. Have you been seeking him, spending time with him, growing in intimacy, growing in your knowledge and your love and your, and your conviction that he is who he said he would be? What have you done in the mundane, ordinary days between those, those, those marking points? 
Or are you waiting for that day and then, well, if that ever happened, then I would. No, once that happens, it's too late. It was just an ordinary day for Paul and Silas going to preach the gospel. And they encounter a slave girl who, because of a demonic gifting, a demonic influence, a demonic possession, somehow can tell the future or can can prophesy things that she shouldn't know and and her handlers are using her and making just because somebody can give a word of knowledge doesn't mean it's coming from him I'm just telling you, if you read that passage, it is eye-opening to the fact that there is a real demonic realm that can imitate the gifts of the Spirit. And how do you know? Well, you you don't run around studying what the imitations look like because you'll just chase your tail and there's more of them than you can imagine. You find the one that's real and then when the fake comes along, you know it. And they say to the, they cast the demon out of this little girl, and their, the, her owners get angry because they were using her to make money. There's always an agenda behind it. The demonic always plays off of people's greed or pride or lust. There's, there's always something if people aren't actually sold out, laid down at lovers and living their life for Jesus. If they haven't denied themselves, there's always something of themselves that they can use as a hook. And so Paul and Silas are just having a normal day preaching the gospel, just having a normal day doing what they do. And they encounter the demonic and they respond to the demonic the way we're called to respond to the demonic. And suddenly they find themselves in prison. Suddenly what started out as an ordinary day finds them at one of the low points, literally, physically, one of the lowest places they would ever be. Yet their response is to worship. And, and, and one thing I, I, I just, I was reading that story and, I, and I, I saw this. I don't know that I've ever seen this before. It says that, this is a side note, the time's flashing at me, I have to close, but I, w- I saw this, and, and it said that, that their chains were, were, were broken off, and so were all the other prisoners, and you know, we've all heard about how your, your freedom can lead to other people's freedom, but, but this is the thing that struck me the other day as I was pondering that, is that it says that when the jailer came, he assumed they were all gone, yet Paul said, we're all still here. And I was thinking, like, we owe it to the world that when they encounter the Father and they experience freedom, it's so real that rather than returning to life the way it was before when they get set free and going and returning to the place that they were, they actually want to stay because what they've experienced is greater than what they've known. Yes, they didn't leave. The only thing I can think of is they saw something greater than what they had known. And even if it meant staying in prison, they wanted that more than going back to what they had known. That's freedom. That's you're so free that you don't want to go back to what you had before. Because you found something greater. 
But that was an ordinary day until it wasn't. And all it did was proved by their response. I'm not living for my circumstance, and I'm not living for one day. I'm not living for a mountaintop. I'm not living, you know, for a valley. I'm living every day loving him, and if I happen to find myself in a valley, I'm going to respond the same way I would if I found myself on the top of a mountain. But that doesn't happen by only pursuing him in the lowest or the highest. It happens by every day, those gaps and those spaces in between, seeking him, spending time with him, worshiping him. Like you do in the bad and in the good. Just in the average. And maybe suddenly the average becomes not the average. It becomes the extraordinary because you have him. It was a, we, we, we were just having a leadership meeting. We were just planning to go on vacation with our family. And then we got a phone call and went into one of the, 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 the lowest valleys we've ever been in in our lives. And it was a very public thing. And everybody knew. And people were watching. And... and, and We've heard so many people talk about, you know, the, the way you guys walked through that. But here's the point. That was the same way we were walking earlier that day before the call came. It, we didn't start pursuing him that day because of what happened. We continued to pursue him that day the way we pursued him the day before. And what was exposed was what our foundation was. That's what was exposed. And we didn't go try to find him in that moment so that we could be something we weren't the day before. We actually just continued to live the, day, the way that we lived every day, pursuing him and trusting him and seeking him and praising him and declaring his goodness and his worth to people, even when there was a million reasons shouting the opposite. And I don't say that to put us on a pedestal because I've seen so many of you do the same thing. And there's so many times you've done the same thing and it wasn't a public thing and nobody knew about it but you did it anyways. But it wasn't because in that day you decided to engage your relationship with the Lord. It was because you lived every day engaged, so when that moment came, you were ready for it. I'm just telling you, like, don't put off enjoying him, pursuing him, needing him, being desperate for him until a point where you actually feel like you need him and are desperate for him. Live that way every day, and then when you get to that place, you'll have what you need rather than trying to find it in a moment. So, Father, would you just, God, bring us back to that place of, of the devotion of our youth, God, when it was simple, when it was uncomplicated, when we just pursued you because we loved you, because you were good, because you loved us. And, God, let us remember every morning to find you and seek you and be with you and every day to walk in our awareness of you. God, if your mercies are new every day, then every day I need to experience something new. And if you'll never leave me or forsake me, then that means I need you with me every day. Open my eyes to the need I have for you every day, not just on those days. In Jesus' name, amen.